are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You ready for the word? I said, are you ready for the word? All right. So we're in part two of our series, When God Doesn't Make Sense. Next week, we'll conclude that series. And I'm very excited about next week's message, but I'm super duper excited. I did say super duper excited about this week's message. Um, Today, I want to start out with a question to initiate today's message, and it's this. Here's the question. Listen up. Lean in. Here's the question. Who in here would be very honest with me and say, I hate waiting? I hate waiting. Yeah, the rest of you are lying. There's a special class the following Saturday for you. Just kidding. I mean, who likes waiting? I mean, sign me up for waiting, said no one ever. We don't like waiting. I mean, there's all different scenarios that we could say that we we wait in i mean here's a few of them that get on my last nerves one of them is waiting in traffic have you ever waited in traffic now now some of you are like yeah i waited in traffic on markland avenue no i'm not talking about markland avenue <laughs> well i waited in traffic on 465 i'm not talking about 465 have you ever waited in traffic in downtown manhattan yes. some of you are like no i've never been out of Indiana. you need to get out of indiana You need to get out of Kokomo. I'm just saying. 40 miles down the road is a whole new world that you haven't discovered. I I lived right 20 minutes outside of Manhattan for eight years. And we went to Manhattan all the time. We loved it. And one of the things that irritated me was the traffic. It got so bad that we started taking the train from where we lived into the city because when you drive, it was, you were stuck in traffic. And you know, those people there, you know, they will test your Christianity. You'll, you'll find out if you really love Jesus in Manhattan. See, we don't know if you love Jesus yet until you drive your automobile to Manhattan. Then we qualify you as a Jesus follower because you'll get some very interesting fingers. I thought they were telling me I'm number one. But my wife was like, no, that's not what they're saying. Um, And so I hate waiting in traffic. I mean, how about this one? Uh, uh, The grocery store line. Okay, okay, can I just help somebody? The sign says 12 items or less. You got 3,500. Get out of my lane. I came here for milk and eggs, cookies, and Krispy Kreme donuts. And I got six items, and you got 3,500 feeding the Brady Bunch up in here, and you're in my fast lane. Now, some of you are that person. And I'm not going to have your family point you out, but I know you up in here. The Lord's showing me right now. Waiting at the grocery store. I just came for three things, Jesus. Krispy Kremes, milk, creamer for my coffee. Right? And salt and vinegar, vinegar chips. Come on, somebody, testify. God is so good. Cape Cod, I feel Shidabaha. Woo, felt the spirit on that. Just started speaking in tongues. It came out. 
waiting in line. What about when you go to a restaurant and you already waited like 45 minutes to get seated and then you get to your table and Susie the waitress ain't showing up to take drink orders and you know you got that person in your family that after like three and a half minutes is ready to go off like they get hangry every day. (laughs) Like every minute they get hangry. You ever met somebody, they just eat lunch, and 10 minutes later they want a snack? That's my daughter. That's my daughter, Faith. (laughs) You just ate. What do you mean you need a snack? Uh, She's a snacker. Pray for her. Pray for my grocery budget. Um, And Susie finally shows up, and you're like, yeah, we'll order our drinks and our food. And you got a little attitude already. You don't know what Susie just went through. You, You don't know. You don't know what she's struggling with at home, right? But we get impatient because we're, we're, we're waiting. We, we really get upset when we go to a fast food restaurant and we have to wait. We thought it was fast food. Why are you telling me to pull up to that line? I don't want to pull up to the line. I want my chicken sandwich now with my waffle fries now and my lemonade now. That's Chick-fil-A, y'all. <laughs> That's my order every time. You ever want to bless your pastor? Just saying. Uh, what about the airport? Anybody fly? Anybody's flight ever got delayed, 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 and delayed? Huh? It, yeah, it got delayed for like hours. You're sitting up in the airport and you're like, dang, I'm hungry. I want something to drink. You go and you get a $25 Coca-Cola. It's cool. I want a slice of pizza. That'll be $35 and two cents. Are you kidding me? Like, like, it's crazy. You're waiting at the airport, and you're waiting. Then you get on the plane. We have technical difficulties. We have mechanical difficulties or whatever. We cannot fly out yet. We will fly out in the next 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, right. They lying up in there over the speaker. You ain't flying in the next 10, 20 minutes. Wait, wait. How many grew up in a big family? You got a lot of siblings? And how many only had one restroom? How many had to wait for the restroom? Come on, I feel your pain. You had to wait for the restroom, right? You had to wait to do your hair, to brush your teeth, to use the restroom, because there was a whole line of people in front of you. Probably one of the worst things that will test you in this waiting thing and really test your Christianity is called the BMV. (laughs) Those people ain't saved. (laughs) If you work there... We're praying for you. Um, okay, I got to take a number. Okay, take the number. I go sit down. It's cool. It's like a lot of people here. Everybody behind those computers looks angry. They just look angry. It's like, I'm ready to beat somebody. I'm like, dang, angry. We wait, we wait, we wait. We get to our number. We go sit down. What are you here for? I need to get a new title. I need to get new plates. Well, do you have this, this? No, I don't have all that. Oh, you got to come back and wait again. (laughs) This is an awesome day, right? Don't you love how your mood changes when you go to the BMV and you don't have the right paperwork and you, you know, you had your day planned out. I'm going to do this and then I'm going to go grocery shopping and then we're going to take the kids to the park. It's going to be awesome until the BMV messes up your day. Really awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I don't know if you know, but Usually when I'm preparing a certain topic, a message, um, usually God will test me personally on that topic. 
<laughs> yeah. So I, I go through what I'm preaching. I, I, I say it like this. I'm using what I'm dealing to you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm a user of what I'm dealing. And it's, it never fails me. Whatever I'm preaching about, I face in my life, usually during the process. I'm usually, you know, six months out on series prepping and gathering content. And usually within those six months leading up to there, at some point, God will test me on the very subject that I'm about to preach to you. I guess he wants me to be the example, right? (laughs) And so here it goes yesterday. What a day yesterday. What a day of waiting yesterday. It was fun. You see this picture? Looks real cute, don't it? Real cute, right? Kids, my family's there. My daughters are like, we don't know what just happened, right? You know where we're parked? We're parked in the parking lot of Walmart. Yeah, I went to Wally World on a Saturday. Yep. Pray for your brother. I'm in counseling now. I'm just in counseling, straight up counseling. I admit it. And there's my kids, and um, we're waiting because, you know, here was our plan. Our plan was two of the kids need new bicycles, so I don't ever venture out to Walmart. It's just like kind of one of my rules. Like, it's like you got to go prepared, like speaking in unknown tongues, like prayed up, fasted, like to deal with Walmart. And so I don't go there much, but we needed bikes, and they're cheap at Walmart, okay? So I'm like, let's go to Walmart. It's going to be awesome. Tara's got to do grocery shopping. She's on the other side of town. We go to Walmart. We get the bikes. We're fired up. We get a little lock thingy, and we're like, all right, we got to go to another store right by Walmart. Let's lock the bikes up. Uh, The lock thingy had these zip ties on it. I grab my truck key, and I go to break the zip ties, and my key snaps in half. Oh, yeah. That's how my day went. And so there I am in Walmart parking lot. Now, let me remind you, two weeks ago, I told my wife, we really need to get a second key made for the truck. (laughs) But that never happened, church. (laughs) And so I called my wife, who was getting ready to go grocery shopping. She has her list. She likes lists. She has her list. She has her schedule for the day. She has a lot going on. She just got back from a trip. And, you know, we had three kids and friends are coming over and all this stuff. And So I called her, hey, can you come to Walmart? Why? I broke the key. (laughs) And so then my next step was to call a locksmith. And we waited because none of the locksmiths in my area were available or they were closed. So I had to call one from Indianapolis. And it was fun. So that's us waiting, waiting, and waiting. Our whole day was messed up, but we waited. And it was fun. And Until my son said, hey, dad, um, maybe we should call an Uber. (laughs) And then I said some very forceful words to my son that I can't repeat to you right now. (laughs) Truth. Um, We waited for the locksmith to come. He came, and he was all excited to be there. I'm like, why is this guy so joyful? He is so excited to help me out. And then I said, how much is it? (laughs) I wasn't laughing like I am now I went and got a second job after that I was on the street preaching on Maine and with a little cup (laughs) $175 oh Jesus why do you make me preach this stuff 
here's the truth. We're having fun today, but I want to give you some spiritual principles on waiting. Because what do you do when you're waiting on God to move in an area of your life and he seems to be late? He seems to be late. Um, Here's our thought today. When God seems late. When God seems late. And I'm going to do my best in the next 20 minutes to preach this to you like I feel it. Are, are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to help me preach it? Because you know every week you're helping me preach. Yeah, the more you lean in, the more you say, okay, that was good. The more you say the white boy's going off today. That was for my neighbor. <laughs> that was for my wife. The more you do that, the better it, it goes, folks. That's the better. See, the reality is many of you are praying and believing for God to do something, and he's not. He's not doing it. You're waiting. You're waiting, and why doesn't God do something about it? What is your it? What is your it? Because we all have it. It could be financial challenges could be your it. It could be relational challenges, marriage issues. Your it could be health issues. Your it could be a job issue, a career issue. What is it that God is not moving on? It could be a child issue that it's just not working out. It's not getting better. It's actually getting worse. All of us in here face these waiting seasons. And let me just be honest with you. They're hard, they're challenging, and they're difficult. They're difficult to navigate through. I I want you to know this because I'm not exempt from going through the waiting either. I'm not exempt to go through hard times. And challenges just because I have a pastor in front of my name. I go through the same challenges you face. I put my shoes on, my Air Jordans the same way you do. Come on, somebody. I put my jeans on the same way. I face the same devil you face in my marriage, in my finances, in my kids. I face the same attacks in my mind that you do. And I try to be as transparent as I can because I want you to know that I'm not perfect. And this right here has got to be my biggest downfall, waiting. I'll be honest with you, I hate waiting. I I hate waiting when I'm in a season of waiting and I'm like, God, I've I've been faithful and I don't understand why I still have to wait. There were times when we were in New Jersey and I was just like, God, we're, we're waiting. Where are we at? It's like you're in the airplane and they're circling around the city again. Like how many times are we going to circle around and, 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 and be in this just constant motion of not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. Have you ever been in a season of God saying not yet? Am I preaching to anybody today? Because I already preached this five times. I preach it to myself if I have to, amen? And, and, and why God, why, why, why are we waiting? Some in here are waiting to conceive. And you're like, where are you, God? We've been waiting for five years, ten years. You told us in your word to procreate. You told us be fruitful. Why are we waiting? Some of you are in a season where you're waiting to get married. Everyone around you has gotten married but you, and you're waiting. You're just like, when's it going to happen? Seriously? You know how old I am? When's it going to happen? Some of you are waiting on that job to open up. You have the education, you have everything, it's all lined up, but that job hasn't opened up yet. You're waiting. 
You're in a season of waiting. Some of you are waiting on that loved one, that friend, that coworker to come to Christ, to say yes to your invite. You've handed them a ton of these little cards right here and they haven't came yet. You're waiting. You're in the waiting. Some of you wait for your spouse to come to Christ. You're in the waiting. Your children to come. You're in the waiting and you're like, God, I'm waiting. What's going on? Some of you are waiting for a healing. It hasn't happened yet. It's only getting worse. Some of you are waiting for a miracle for your child. The doctors gave you their report, and you're waiting. You're waiting for God to do something. And you've even said, God, you've healed other kids. Why can't you heal mine? You're waiting. That's the reality in this room. People are waiting. And it's hard. And it's challenging. And it's difficult. And we ask God, why are you making me wait? It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I've been there. Why are you making me wait? And here's our main thought I want us to rally around. It's this. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. Come on, man. If you don't get anything, grab this today. Come on, let's say this. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. It's never wasted. It's never wasted. And I want to give you a story in the book of John about some people who waited on Jesus and who were struggling and had this tension of, man, we're waiting, but you're not showing up when we thought you would show up. Have you ever thought God was going to show up at a certain season, a certain time, and he didn't? Huh? Come on now. He didn't show up. He didn't answer the prayer. Like, I pray. What, what, why? What, why didn't you answer it? Hmm? So we're going to look at a story, and I'm going to give you some context. It's the story of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, you need to know this about this family. They were very close to Jesus. They had a house in Bethany, and Bethany was right over the Mount of Olives. On the other side of Mount Olives was a city called Jerusalem where Jesus did most of his ministry, as we see in the three books, uh, the, uh, the Gospels, rather. And most of his ministry was done in Jerusalem, and what he would do, he would kind of try to get away from the crowd, and he would go hang out with his friends in Bethany, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And they would take Jesus in, and they had a bed there, had a house there, and, and they would feed him, and, and they would talk with him. he would talk with them about the miracles they were, he was doing and performing, and it was kind of like his little getaway from the crowd. Because everywhere he went, he drew, drew a crowd. People were wanting healed. People were wanting miracles. And so here we find this story in John chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. Let's look at this. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and Martha and her sister. So the sisters sent word to who? Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. They sent a message. They sent a text message. Come on now. <laughs> they said, Jesus, we need help. Your BFF, Laz, he's sick. Your friend is sick. The one you love, the one you spent time with, the one you shared your heart with, he's, he's like dying, Jesus. He's sick. But Jesus doesn't show up. Jesus doesn't come. And Martha's looking at her watch, hour by, maybe he's going to come next hour. No, Jesus. Maybe he's going to come. 
at this hour. No Jesus. Next day. Maybe he's going to come today. No Jesus. Where are you at? We're waiting. We're waiting. And they're thinking. Imagine their thoughts. Put yourself in their shoes. Like, we took you in, Jesus. Like, we're family. Like, you told us all the miracles you performed. We've seen a few of them with our own eyes. We know you can heal Lazarus, but you ain't showing up when we need you to show up. And I'm sure Martha was like, Jesus, like, we make you your favorite lasagna every time you come. Like, you eat with us. We fellowship with you. We send you off with your favorite bottle of water, Dasani, and a package of Altoid mints so you don't kill the crowd with your breath. Jesus, like, we're family, but we're frustrated because we're waiting. We're, we're frustrated in the wait. You ever been frustrated in the wait? Am I talking to anybody or is this just for me the seventh time? This is for me? I preach to myself. Go ahead, white boy, preach. We're frustrated in the waiting. Like, you, you stayed with us. We took you in. Huh? We're family. We made you meals. They were upset. They were upset. And we get this way when we're waiting on God too, don't we? We get upset. And we throw things to God like this. God, I'm, I've been faithful to church for like two months. Like I paid my tithes like two times. Like I'm serving on a team, God, and not just any team. I serve with the little kids. And you know, God, half of them, they got issues. But I I do it, God, for you. Why am I waiting? Why haven't I found my spouse? Why haven't my finances broke through? Why can't I get things right? I'm waiting, God. I'm reading my devotionals, God. I I, I put on worship music. Why am I still waiting? Why? Why? Why am I still waiting, God? I mean, I got even the fuel sticker on my car now. I stopped having road rage now because I got the sticker. Because people know I go to fuel church, so I can't curse them anymore. And Jesus, I haven't got those new fuel joggers. I'm running with you, Jesus. Y'all like that? I thought you'd like that. I saved that for the 11 o'clock. Why why am I waiting? Come on. You there? Have you been there? Waiting. I want to give you two things to remember when you're waiting on God. Number one is this. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Just because you're waiting doesn't mean God is done. Doesn't mean he's denied you. Just because it hasn't happened, it does not mean it won't happen. Somebody needed that today. Just because it hasn't happened, it doesn't mean it won't happen. God's delays aren't necessarily God's denials. There have been moments in my life of delays, and I call them this, because after you come through the waiting and then you see why you were waiting, it all makes sense. 
there were moments of what I call divine delays. God was delaying that for me. He, he was working things in me. He had to do a work in me first before he did a work through me. He had to perfect some character, some integrity in my heart. You see, I wasn't ready for this stage five years ago. Why? Because there was a divine delay to get me to here. I wasn't ready. And so there was some divine delays in your life that God is saying, I'm preparing you and I'm preparing where you're going and I'm preparing the people you're supposed to connect with and you need to trust the divine delays that are coming in your life. Come on now. I'm about to preach. I'm about to preach now. I feel this thing. You're saying why, and God's saying, wait. I'm working all things together for your good if you could just be patient. If you could just be patient while you're waiting on the locksmith to come. If you just be patient at that area, if you just be patient with that waitress, something good's going to happen. If you just be patient, well, I just, you know, when am I going to get hit the stage? Well, Probably never because you can't worship in the seats. You can't worship in the seats. You'll never worship on the stage. Not in this church. Well, when am I going to get promoted as a leader in this church? Well, when are you going to be faithful? When are you going to serve? Come on. Faithfulness is defined as doing the last thing God told you to do. Are you doing it? Well, when am I going to, you know, when is this going to happen for me? Can, can you go through a process? Can you go through a process where God's defining and refining your character? Because there's a lot of things I see in my life now I wasn't ready for then. We always want next now. We always want, I'm preaching today. I'm feeling this in the 11 o'clock. We may go overtime. We always want next now. I want it now, God. I want it now. I want my meal, dessert now. I want it now. And God's saying, you can do you. He'll let you do you. You see, here's the reality. There's some people who were sitting in this seat two months ago, six months ago, who didn't want to wait. They're gone now. They didn't heed the divine delays. They got hooked up with a relationship that took them out. Here's the reality. There's some of you sitting here right now. You won't be here in three weeks. And I hate to say that as a pastor, but it's just a reality. You're going to get tired of waiting. And you're going to say, I'm out of here, man. I've served Jesus for four months, six months, four years. You know what? It ain't happened. I'm gone. And then someone's going to come winking and blinking your way, and they're going to say they love God for about six weeks. So they get you, get you in bed. Oh, you don't want the truth, do you? And then you're going to be gone. You ain't going to be here. You ain't going to be here hands lifted. Fear. Chains. Nope. You chained. You chained. You're going to go back to the old lifestyle, the drugs, the addiction, the alcohol, because you're tired of waiting. Well, I thought by now, I went through next steps. I'm on the dream team. I got the shirt. Why not, God? Why not me? And you're going to get impatient, and you're going to get out of the will of God. That's what's going to happen. And the the truth is, if you don't learn 
to embrace the divine delays, you'll make a wrong turn. The good news is, I got good news. I got good news for you, and I got good news for everyone who's ventured out on their own. God allows us to recalculate. Recalculating. Recalculating. That wasn't in first service, but it is in second. You're welcome. Jesus said this, look. When he heard this, that Lazarus, his friend, was dying, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. You see that? When Jesus heard this, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Maybe God's trying to get your attention in the waiting. Maybe he's trying, you see, I believe in the waiting, God's trying to, God's giving us a season to press into him more than we press into the elements of this world. And maybe in the waiting, God's saying, if you'll just lean into me and not into the things of this world. You you know the things of this world will never satisfy you? I know people who are just hungry, man, for money, hungry for success. And they, they want things, right? And they're consumed with things, but they're so unhappy when they get them. So unhappy. That new car, that new house, that bigger square foot will not bring fulfillment to your life. And one day it's all going to burn up. It's all going to burn up. But this right here will live forever. Your spirit will live forever. And the people you impact will live forever. And I'm not even halfway through my message and these people come up and do this to me. What do you think of them? Because I'm not happy right now. It's a crying shame. God has a reason for a not yet. He's building your character. He's building your faith so that he gets the glory. Just because you don't see anything happening, it doesn't mean that God isn't working. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. It's never wasted. Look, John eleven seventeen. on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. The King James Version says that he stinketh. He gone. (laughs) Something you need to realize. In that culture, they believed that the first three days of someone dying, that the spirit of that person would hover over the body. And they believed that that spirit could come back in the body and that body could come alive. And they believed on the fourth day that the spirit left and that person was dead. And then they would make arrangements for the burial. Very interesting that Jesus shows up on day what? Four. Four. (laughs) We love you though. (laughs) Four. They were discouraged. They were mad. They were frustrated at Jesus. Our, Our brother is dead. You didn't show up. We were waiting, Jesus. Where were you? You didn't show up. Where were you? Martha goes off, verse 21, 22. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. She's upset. She's upset with Jesus. She's upset, but she goes on and look in verse 
22. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Check this out. I want you to grab this. Martha was upset. Martha was hurt. But at the same time, she said, I trust you. Do you see this? My brother's dead. We were waiting. He's gone. But God, I still trust you. And let me tell you what real Christian maturity is. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Real Christian maturity is this. That we find ourselves living in this spot between the tension of, I don't understand, Jesus, why I'm waiting, why I'm facing this, but I trust you still. Can you say, God, I don't understand why I'm waiting, but I still trust you. I still believe in you. I still believe your word is true. I still believe your name is the name above every name. I still believe you can heal my body even when I don't get a healing. I still believe. I still believe you gave me that vision for this business. It's not taken off, but I still believe it can happen. You gave me this marriage and things aren't right right now, but I believe you can heal it. You gave me this child and they're wayward. They're doing their own thing, but I believe that when they're old, they will not depart from the faith. I still believe you, God. I still believe you that even though my money's not right right now, I believe you can turn it around. I still believe the dream you placed in my heart to fulfill, and I don't see it in front of me, but I still believe you can do it. I still believe. I still believe. I still believe in my calling. It hasn't come to fruition yet, but I still believe you're going to use me for your glory and your purpose. I, I still believe. I still believe. I'm not giving up. In due season, I shall reap if I do not quit, the Bible says. In due season. Someone say due season. Your due season's coming. Your due season's coming. Look at verse 43, John eleven forty three. 43. When he had said this, what did he say? He told them, take the stone away. Take the stone away. Watch this. Jesus called in with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The next verse says, the dead man came out. The dead man came out. He came out. He came out. He came out. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. God's delays are not God's denials. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. And with God, he's doing something in you first before he does something for you and before he does something through you. You need to know this today. You need to know this today that sometimes things need to die in your life so that God can give you a spiritual resurrection with something new. And some of you, the Lazarus needs to die in your life so God can resurrect something new. Some of you, it's a relationship. Some of you, it's who you're hanging with on the weekends. They're pulling you away from God. They're not drawing you closer. Something needs to die in your life so God can give way to something new. He can resurrect something new in your life. Come on. Jesus told them, hey, the resurrection isn't about an event. The resurrection is about a person. It's about me. I am the resurrection and the life. And he just so happened to use the story of Lazarus to say, hey, those who believe in me will have eternal life. 
Though you die physically, your spirit will live on forever when you believe in me. And he showed it through the life of Lazarus. He showed it through the example of Lazarus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Hmm? What is it that God is telling you to wait on? What is it that God is telling you needs to die in your life so he can resurrect something new? Because most of your problems, 99% of your problems, are all connected to who you hang with. They're connected to your five closest people that text you. They're connected to your five people you talk to, the five closest people you hang with. Most of your problems, most of your veering away from God is connected with who you hang with. I don't know why I'm saying this in this service. I didn't say it in the first. And I'm going to take my camel jacket off so you can see me now. You're welcome. You don't get this humor everywhere. You're welcome. Go to another church and see if you laugh this hard. What is is God asking you to cut off? Paul said, I came to a point in my life where I can't hang with everybody. I came to a point in my life where they're tempting me to do the wrong things, to say the wrong things, to go the wrong place. I can't do it because I got calling. I got purpose. Some of you, it's been a pull lately. It's been a pull to get you away from the things of God and the people of God, to separate you more and more. If he can just separate you a little bit, a little bit at a time, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. If he can just get you out little by little, he'll get you disconnected from everything that has to do with God. It'll get you disconnected from the family. This is called a family according to the word of God. And I need you and you need me. We're all parts of this body. And I need you. I need Brother Victor in my life. Come on, come here. Walk with me. Oh, you got a cord? I need him. He needs me. Come here, Matt. I need him. He needs me. I, we, we need family. We need family. You can't, you were never meant to do life on your own. Here, listen, listen, don't clap, don't clap. I only got two minutes, don't clap. Listen, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You're trying to do life on your own, and God says in his word a gazillion times, you weren't meant to do life alone. Come on. You need people. You can't do it on your own. And you're trying to be an island under yourself and seclude yourself. And the devil, he thrives in seclusion. He thrives on the island when you're all alone where he can put in his thoughts and his ways into your mind. But if you have brothers around you, if you have sisters around you that are helping you and keeping you accountable, that's how you do life. You are never meant to do life by yourself. We are stronger and better together. Come on. Hey, thanks for listening today, and maybe you're out there, and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball, you've taken some wrong turns, you've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real, and it's for you. And and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional, and, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer, and I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved, and I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision, but just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, come into my life, change me, in Jesus' name. It's simple as that, and I encourage you, find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.